Well, good morning. And as Matt said, my name is Daniel Owen, and I am the site pastor at Blackhawk Fitchburg. So Fitchburg, I miss you guys, but I am glad to be here with all of you. And I'm excited to be able to talk about the Word of God. It is such a powerful series that we are in right now, and so I'm just excited to be a part of that in this way. But before we dive into the text, I want to show you a picture of something that's really meaningful to my family. Yeah, it looks like it's kind of meaningful to you guys as well. This is a picture of Lambeau Field. And yes, my family and my kids are Packer fans, okay? We are Packer fans. But that's, that's not why this picture is significant. It's actually the G that's right here on the stadium. That G serves as a sign to my kids about something that's really important to them. It tells them that something's ahead, you see, my wife's parents live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And so we often travel to grandparents' house uh, on the weekends or whenever the chance we get to visit them. And whenever we get in the car, our kids start looking for this G because it tells them they're almost to Grammy and Opa's house. And I tell you what, you know how kids, they don't seem to always have an, uh, a conception of time, right? So as soon as we get in the car, we're in Madison, we have about two and a half hours to go. We're only in the car about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. And my son Joshua is always like, I think I see it. I think I see it. And I'm like, no, we haven't even made it to Fond du Lac yet. <laughs> and then we get to Oshkosh and they're like, oh, I think I see it. And I'm like, no, we got about an hour. But when they see it, they are so excited because it's a sign that means something. It tells them something and it reveals what's ahead. In the Bible, we see miracles and we see signs and wonders. And you know what? They do the exact same thing. They tell us something. They tell the people something. And they even tell us as readers today something about who God is and who we can be. And so today, we're going to take a closer look at one of those signs. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're going to continue in our series, Empowered for Mission. And uh, last week, Charles, Pastor Charles, talked to us about Acts chapter 2 and how the kingdom community were devoted to the apostles. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to prayer. And then there's a verse that comes up right after that in Acts chapter 2, verse 43, that says this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Today, we're going to look at one of those signs. And I think it's interesting because this is the first sign that Luke tells us about as the author. So I'm interested to see, what does he want us to know? What's important for us? What was important for them then, but what's important for us today? So let's begin reading. Acts 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. Okay, a couple quick things here before we keep reading. It's always important when you're reading scripture to ask questions, to look closely at the details. Luke is actually setting up the scene for us. He's telling us what's going on. He's saying Peter and John, who are now Christ followers, are going to the temple for worship. You see, even though they were Christ followers, they were still in a rhythm and a life of worship. And so they would go to temple and daily prayer, just like the other dedicated Jews. And at that time, there was actually two times of daily worship. There was one in the morning and in the afternoon. But the one in the afternoon 
was the most attended because it was right after sacrifice. Now, another thing to know is that dedicated Jews were actually quite charitable on these kind of occasions because dedicated Jews knew that it was important to God to care for the poor. So they would often be quite giving when they would go to temple. And that tells us why the lame man was there. That tells us why the man who was lame was not at the market, but at the temple, because he knew that people would be charitable towards him. And his life depended on it. His life was one of a beggar. He needed to receive from others in order to survive. And so every day, he was there begging outside the temple. All right, let's continue to read. It says in verse three, when he, the man who was lame, saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. He was expecting money. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk, and then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who, who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wow, what an amazing event. This actually took place. This isn't just a story in the Bible. This actually happened. This man whose life was one of a beggar looked to Peter and John to receive money, but they received something so much more. He was healed in an instant. His ankles, his legs became strong and he stood up and he began to walk and jump and praise God that day. Now, how would you have felt? What would you have been thinking if you were in the temple courts that day? You had seen this man probably before as you were coming in. You knew that he wasn't able to walk and yet here he is walking and jumping. How would you have felt? I know for me, I would have not known what to think, but I probably would have looked like this. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have looked like. Because you know what? I'm the kind of person that even when I see like sleight of hand magic, like where did the quarter go or where did the napkin go? I'm amazed by that. And I know that's not even real. So if I saw something like this, I think my mind would be just kind of like that, blown. <laughs> All right, look, that's probably the last bitmoji emoji thing I'm gonna do, but it was just kind of fun. So I wanted to do it. But here's the deal, guys. This healing matters because it actually tells us something. So what does it tell us? Well, the first thing we see is that a, that a man who is lame is physically healed. Now, later in Acts, in chapter four, we're actually told that the man was 40 years old. So for 40 years, this man never knew what it meant to walk, what it meant to run, or to do anything like that. And yet, in an instant, after meeting Peter and John, he is healed. He is healed. And it isn't just like he's physically healed. He's experiencing a whole new life. I mean, think about it. He's not only up walking and jumping, but now he can contribute to society. He, he could get a job. He could get a skill. There are things that he can do now that he couldn't do before. He could participate in community in ways that he wasn't able to before. This man's whole life has been changed. He's experiencing transformation. He's experiencing wholeness. 
And what this tells us is that this is a sign, that this is a picture of what the kingdom of God is like. See, the kingdom of God is a place where people are made whole. That's what the kingdom of God is like. You see, right now we live in a world where suffering, division, pain, and hardship, that's what, that's what the world is right now. But, there, but scripture speaks of a day where there's going to be a time where there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more mourning, there will be no more death, and the old order of things will pass away. And what that day is, is when the kingdom of God fully arrives. And this, this sign, this miracle was a taste, it was a foreshadowing of that very thing. But it was also more than that. It was also more than that. In the book of Acts, we've seen that God is establishing his kingdom here on earth. And that's what God wants to do. But I thought what was interesting in this text is that nowhere is Jesus in this picture, at least not physically, Jesus isn't there. And we know from Acts chapter one that Jesus ascended to heaven. So then how is God establishing his kingdom on earth? Well, it's through people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit. This sign tells everyone, hey, God is doing something new here. God is establishing his kingdom through people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit. And I think that's why this is so important for us to see, because it tells us a little bit about what our role is even today. And that's why I think Luke has this here as, as kind of one of the first signs that we look into. Now, Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom. That's completely true. But when he ascended to heaven, he sent his spirit into his people. And now God is establishing his kingdom through them. So some of you might be like, wait a minute. Daniel, are you saying that I can walk around and that I heal people? Well, not exactly. I'm going to tell you that I've never healed anyone. And I've talked to Pastor Charles and Pastor Matt. They haven't healed anyone either. And most of Christ followers that I know haven't healed anyone physically at least. But there's so much more going on in this story than just a physical healing, right? Peter and John didn't just minister to his body, they ministered to his soul. You see, this man, we don't know exactly where he was prior to him being healed, but we know for sure that he connected his healing to the work of God in his life. In verse eight and nine, it says that he was walking and jumping and praising God. So he's connected what happened to him as a movement of God in his life. And it has healed his soul. It has made him whole in many ways, or he's being made whole. You know, the idea of wholeness is the idea that we're not missing anything, that we're complete. You know, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like a whole pizza, all right? A whole pizza. Now, let's say you decided to order a pizza. Now, typically, a pizza is eight slices. Unless you get it from Costco, it's 10 slices because everything is just bigger at Costco, right? <laughs> That's just how it is. Now, let's say you and your family, you decide, you know what? We're going to get a pizza. We're going to get our pizza with our favorite toppings. And you know what? We're going to drive and we're going to go to our favorite pizza shop because you're kind of frugal and you don't pay for delivery fees. So you go and you pick it up. And then you smell it all the way home and you're excited. And then when you get home, you open up the box and instead of eight slices, you see six. I mean, wait a minute. This isn't a whole pizza. This is just a bunch of slices thrown together. Something is missing. 
Now, I know that's just a silly example, but it's there to just kind of help us get the idea that we know when things are missing. We know when things aren't right. And the truth is, guys, I think we hunger for being made whole. You know, we serve a God who isn't okay with things being left undone or things that are not right. He actually sent Jesus to begin the process of making things whole, to begin the process of bringing the kingdom of God here on earth. But then now it appears, as we see in the story, that he is empowering people with the Holy Spirit to be agents of wholeness in our world. Now, I know that, that miracles happen. I believe miracles happen. But I also believe this. I believe that when a person gives their faith to Jesus, when a person says, I want to follow Jesus, and that person is healed, like spiritually, that their soul is being renewed by the Holy Spirit, I believe that too is a miracle. And those are miracles that God is doing all the time. Now, some of you may be like, well, if God does miracles and God is working through us, then why don't we see more miracles? Well, let me address that in a couple different ways. One, let's think about this. Miracles are actually extremely rare, even in Scripture. And I know we think that they happen all the time, but they really don't. They, we think they happen all the time because we think, well, those are the stories that we remember, Right? Those are the things that we remember. Like for me, I always, I don't know why, I have like Charleston Heston every time as Moses. And I remember him like splitting the Red Sea. It's always a picture that I have, right? I remember that miracle, that amazing sign. But what I often tend to forget is that it was 400 years that the Israelites were enslaved before Moses came and split the Red Sea. You see, miracles are actually quite rare in scripture. They don't happen all the time like we might think they do. But here's what we do know. We do know that God loves us and that God loves his people and he does whatever it takes to redeem them and restore them. And if God chooses to intervene in our world and as he did here, he does it to draw people to himself. You see, this this healing wasn't just for the man who was lame. It was also for the crowd. There was a message for them that day. But before we get to that, before we get to that message, I want to speak to a group of people who are maybe hearing this story. And um, this story is bringing more pain than hope. Because maybe you're a person who has a physical condition or a medical condition that God has not healed. Maybe you have a loved one that has a condition where they are suffering and they are in pain and God has not healed them. Some of you are probably asking questions. Doesn't God see my pain? Doesn't God know what I'm going through? Doesn't he care about me? Doesn't he see me? You know, those, those are questions that, uh, that my wife and I can relate to on a very personal level. 
Um, over, the last, over the last year and a half, um, my wife has really developed some serious medical conditions. And um, it started, um, like I said, a year and a half ago where she had um, just difficulty breathing and a pain in her throat. And um, the symptoms started kind of mild. But eventually they just got worse. And she has like this suffocation feeling to where she can't get enough air. And early on, guys, we were going to the emergency room and the urgent care. And we were crying out to God, God, heal her. God, heal her. But she hasn't been healed. And you know what? We, um, we've seen a lot of great doctors. We've seen a lot of people that have tried to help. But honestly, things have just gotten worse. So I got to tell you, when, when we read a story like this, it brings tears to our hearts. It brings pain. Because it makes me think, God, why did you heal this man? But you haven't healed her. You know, I have had a lot of nights of just kind of despair and even anger towards God. Honestly, like I've had moments where I didn't even want to pray about it. And I'm supposed to be a pastor. And I didn't want to pray. Because there were just periods in this season that I just was like, do my prayers even matter? And it's been hard. And you know what? If you're suffering, or if you have a loved one who's suffering, I just want to say, I am so sorry. It is so hard. And yes, we've had moments where we have just felt like God isn't there, but we do know that he is. But the why questions, man, they were really hard. And I know we are just one story among a, a thousand of other stories in this churches, in this church that of people who are going through pain. So I wanna share something with you that's been helpful for us it's a quote from, from Michael Wilcock, and it's based on Psalm 88, and it says this. This darkness, and this is suffering or the pain you're in, this darkness can happen to a believer. It doesn't mean you're lost. This darkness can happen to someone who does not deserve it. After all, it happened to Jesus, and that doesn't mean you've strayed. This darkness can happen at any time as long as this world lasts because only in the next world will things be done away with. This darkness can happen without you knowing why. But there are answers and there is a purpose and eventually you will know it. Eventually you will know it. Let's pick up back in the text in verse 11. Hmm. Peter says, or excuse me, while the man held on to Peter and John, 
All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. It was a place where Jewish teachers would often teach from. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that our murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now just picture this for a moment. The people are gathered around. Peter is seeing that all this attention is coming to him and John. And he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you looking at me? It wasn't me. It wasn't me who healed this man. It was the man you disowned. It was the man that God had sent you and promised to you through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But you, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And it was faith in his name that made him strong. It was faith in his name that completely healed him. You see, Jesus is the one who makes us whole. This sign revealed a deep reality that Jesus' power and authority in our world is real. That Jesus, his power is real and it transforms lives and it makes people whole. And if we want to receive that transformation, how do we go about that? Well, we look and do exactly what Peter says next. Look at verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold you through all the prophets saying that the Messiah would suffer. Verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah, the one who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time for God restores everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. You see, Peter acknowledges that they were ignorant. He acknowledges that they didn't recognize Jesus for who he was, but he doesn't excuse it. Their ignorance is not an excuse. In order to receive transformation in their life, they still need to repent and turn to God. You know what we talked about repentance last week, right? We, turned, we talked about repentance, that it's more than saying you're sorry. It's actually changing direction. You're going one way and you need to change and go a different way. And if repentance was a sign, it would look something like this. That's what it would look like. It would look like changing direction in your life. And that's what it means to begin to know Jesus. It's coming to him when often our lives are going away from him. So we gotta change that direction and go to him. And if we do, we are promised something. What Peter says here, he's promised that your sins are gonna be wiped out, that there may be a time of refreshing. And this last thing he said was that God would send the Messiah, that Christ would return. And why does it matter if Christ returns? Because it means that God's plan is complete. 
It means that God will restore everything, that God will make things right, and that God will make us whole forever. You know, that day we are told in Acts chapter 4 that 5,000 people, 5,000 people believed the message that day. What an amazing event. What an amazing thing that happened. So what does this mean for us? What do we do with this sign? What does this tell us? Is this about how great Peter and John are? No, 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 no. I mean, let's think about that for a moment. Who are Peter and John? Peter and John were fishermen, right? They were fishermen. That's what they did. They were people just like you and me. They were imperfect. They made mistakes. I mean, think about this. Just a few months prior to Peter actually being a part of this healing, Peter actually denied knowing Jesus. You remember that? Jesus was arrested. People asked Peter, like, hey, do you know him? And he said, no, I don't know him. Not once, but three times. So you know what? If you've denied knowing Jesus or you've made mistakes, welcome to Black Hawk Church. Because God sees you and God can do amazing things through you. In fact, that's what this story is about. This story isn't about Peter and John. This story is about how amazing and how powerful God is. Amen? This story is about what God can do through his empowered people. People empowered with the Holy Spirit. So how can we be the kind of people that God works through? Well, let's go back earlier in the story there. Peter first approached the man who was lame. And he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. Now what did Peter have? He had the Spirit of God in him and working through him. That's what he had. And you know what? If we want to be the kind of people that God works through, we got to be the kind of people that God is working in. Because God transforms us, and when he transforms us, he uses that story to transform other people. Transformed people transform people. You know, transformation, it's not a list of to-dos. It's not a tactic or a skill you learn. It's about knowing Jesus, and then it's about walking with God. So how do we walk with God? How do we really walk with God in our daily lives? Well, we live how Jesus lived. Peter and John were Jesus' disciples, which means they learned how to live from Jesus. Yes, they saw Jesus do miraculous things, but more than that, they saw Jesus pray, sometimes for hours. They saw Jesus take time to be in solitude with God. They saw Jesus fast. They saw Jesus worship. They saw Jesus make time for God to move in him. And you know what? Fortunately for us, we have the scriptures. So the way that Jesus lived, the things that Peter and John witnessed and saw, those are things that we can also see so that we can learn to live the way Jesus lived. And I know it kind of sounds Hard. It's like, really? But it's true. Jesus really showed us the way. He really showed us the way. In my own life, I was, you know, a number of years back, I, I was really struggling with the idea of like, where, how is God's spirit working in me? 
I want to know more about that. I want to understand more of that because I was just discontent. I wasn't seeing, I was reading stories like the one we read today and I wanted that kind of power in my life and I wanted to know, is that real? Is that real? You know, it started me on a journey. I had a lot of questions and not a lot of answers, but I was hungry to understand. And so I read a lot of different books and a number of different resources, but today I wanna share one quote from one of the resources that I read. It's from a book called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it says this, following Jesus has to make it onto your schedule and into your practices or it will simply never happen. Apprenticeship, or what he calls discipleship there, to Jesus will remain an idea and not a reality in your life. But here's the rub. Most of us are too busy to follow Jesus. Do you ever feel like you are too busy to follow Jesus? You know, I think that our experience of the Spirit of God remains an idea and not a reality because we aren't doing what Jesus did. We aren't making space for God to work in us so that he can work through us. You know, in my own life, I had to look at myself. I had to look at my schedule and I had to say, yes, yes, I prayed. Yes, I was reading the Bible. But when I looked at my schedule, Man, a rhythm of life of making space for God simply wasn't in it. You know, for the last few years, actually my wife and I have been on this journey together. We have been intentional about making time in our schedule for God and about doing things like solitude and fasting and things like that and these practices that Jesus did himself. And you know what? It's changed us. It's changed us. And I feel kind of weird even talking about it because we are not perfect and I haven't arrived in any sort of way. I still sin. But I wanna share it with you because I want you to know that the power of God is real. That the same spirit that Peter and John have are the same, is the same spirit available to you and to me. And he's transforming my life and he's transforming our family. God's power is real and it's there. But if we want God to work through us, we have to be the kind of people that he's working in. You see, what we've learned from this sign is that God works through empowered people, people who are being transformed from the inside out, people who are being made whole. Because if we are people who are being made whole, like in our hearts, then we become agents of wholeness in our world. We become the kind of people who bring healing and hope into our relationships, into our communities, onto our streets, into our neighborhoods, because we bring the healer, the Spirit of God. We bring the Spirit of God with us everywhere we go. You know, if you are a Christ follower listening today, I wanna say to you, man, God invites us for something so amazing. He invites us to walk with him daily, to truly know him and for him to truly know us and for him to work in us. He's actually purposed us to be his witnesses to the entire world so that people will know who his son is and how much he loves them. 
So I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you to take a step. I wanna encourage you to take a step about making time for God to work in you. And then I want you to wait. And I want you to watch. I want you to watch the Spirit of God move in your life in powerful ways because it's real. It's real. To help you with that, I want to share just a few resources. A few resources with you. One resource is the Ruthless Elimination book that I read. It's, it's great. It's one of those. But the other resource I want to share with you is one uh, called Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. And it really takes the practices of Jesus and breaks down why, why they open up our lives, why they open up our heart to the Spirit of God. It's a really helpful book. The other thing I want to share with you is a website called practicingtheway.org. This is uh, John Mark Comer's website. It has tangible steps that you can take tangible steps to learn how to live the way Jesus lived and learn how to walk with God every day. So I wanna encourage you, if you're a Christ follower, man, really check some of these things out. If you're in a community group, this is a great thing to pick and to learn together as a group as well. But for some of you today, the next step isn't learning about a practice. The next step is inviting Jesus into your life to begin transforming you from the inside out. Maybe you have been going one direction and you've realized and recognized who Jesus is and you wanna turn and go towards him. And if that's you today, I wanna invite you to pray a simple prayer. It's not a perfect prayer, but it's a way to just have a conversation with God. Would you all, let's just pray together. For those who want to invite Jesus into your life, you can just pray a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, in my life, I have been going in a direction away from you, and God, I want to turn and go towards you. God, I want you to transform me and transform my life, and I want you to make me whole. God, Lord, for our church and for us, God, I pray for a refreshing and a renewal of your spirit in our lives. God, you have purposed us to walk with you daily, to walk in the spirit of God and to be people who bring healing and hope into our communities and into this city in Madison. Not by the things that we do, but what you do through us. And so God, I pray that we would make time for you that God, we would be intentional and ask you, God, to work in us and then, God, for your spirit to work through us that we may be witnesses of your great love and your great power. Amen.